Welcome to Body Matters Podcast, where we bring to you raw and inspiring content on all things to do with body positivity and eating disorder recovery. Welcome back to the Understanding Body Matters podcast. On this episode, we have brought in Megan, who spoke at one of our recovery talks at Body Matters. Megan is a mother of two. She's 34-year-old and she currently is a Pilates instructor and personal trainer, which she focused on after her recovery from an eating disorder, specifically orthorexia and body dysmorphia. But her venture of opening a gym really was inspired by her recovery journey and to build a body positive facility. So if you'd like to hear how she got through her journey and recovery, please stay tuned. Um, thank you very much for having me, reaching out and asking me, I guess, to sort of share my experience and, um, well, my journey, for lack of a better word. Um, I am, I guess, to give you a little bit of context, I'm 34. I would sort of consider myself um, fully recovered. I don't know, even know if that's a term. I, I just certainly not a term that I sort of use in my sort of everyday vernacular, but um, I really feel fully recovered from my disordered eating and my disordered body image concerns, I guess you would say, for the best part of maybe, yeah, probably the best part of maybe four, four or five years now. If I take you right back, um, not that I, sometimes I was a little bit worried that, that I might not feel an entire sort of half an hour to talk to you about my journey, but I'll, I'll give it a good shot. Um, if I take you right back, I guess um, I was born and I grew up in, for lack of a better term, I grew up in a big body. Um, I was just, you know, genetics combined with, I guess I was a child of the 80s and my parents did the best they could with what they had, you know, in terms of their food resources and their financial resources. So, um, and I just wasn't particularly fond of activity. That's just, and, it, and I just, it was just the body that I was given. Um, I see that now that's been, you know, it's taken me a long time to sort of get to that point as there is um, having no uh, emotional or sort of moral attachment to the body that I was assigned um, or to the body that I grew up in, I guess you would say. But I grew up that way and I grew up, um, yeah, I grew up in a big body. I grew up that big kid at school. Um, and with that came all of those things that you would imagine. With that came teasing and with that came body image concerns and with that came, you know, changing body through puberty and, and all of those Um internal projections that I had put on myself I had tried very often as and as a teenager and as a young adult I had tried many many tactics to lose weight and but it was always um short-lived and it wasn't until in my mid-20s I lost um I lost a lot of weight and I and I lost that weight quite again Organically, I guess you would say I joined a gym with a friend um, it was my first time joining a gym and I I, I just started enjoying going I just started it, just, it was more of a social that I really was going for the social aspect I met a sort of a group of nice women and I enjoyed my time there but yeah I started to lose a little bit of weight and that weight sort of started to stay off and I guess there was a period of time where, if I can say, I, I was losing weight and I had lost a significant amount of weight. And there was a real clear time where I was driving forward with that for my health and, and it was a really good thing. And um, what I was doing was quite healthy. What I was doing was quite healthy for myself. I was focusing on myself. I was taking care of myself. And 
essentially what I thought was happening was, you know, my body was rewarding me for that. And then after I had lost a significant amount of weight, there was a couple of months that led into, I guess, you know, a year or two where I, 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 for lack of a better term, I became quite obsessed with keeping that weight off. And that very quickly, that very quickly fizzled into or um, careened into, I should say, a, um, an orthorexic eating disorder. And it was a very deep and very uh, intimate obsession with being perfect with everything that I was eating, health at all costs and um, not slipping up. And for me, it was this white knuckle holding on approach to just desperately not trying to put any weight back on and seeing if I could continue a weight loss and continue a weight loss and continue a weight loss. That for me plateaued for a little while. Um, There was a period where I wasn't losing any more weight and I was quite fine with that. It was just this, yeah, like I said, like this white knuckling approach to just refusing to put any weight back on at all costs. And for me, there was a, uh, there was a definite, an exercise addiction there. I was very, very obsessed obsessed with uh, exercising correctly, exercising obsessively, oh, sorry, exercising, like over-exercising or exercising twice a day and having, uh, for me, it it manifested in having an exercise schedule that I was addicted to and I was, um, I was addicted to making sure that continued, making sure that looked the same way every week and that nothing would ever fall off my plate. You know, I could, I could take more exercise on and more exercise on, but I was to ne- never to be able to uh, miss a session, I guess you would say. Um, in terms of the way I was viewing my body and I was constantly body checking and constantly looking in the mirror and sort of making sure my body like looked a certain way or I had certain markers. I was not um, too concerned. I got to a point where I was um, not weighing myself. I was, and again, thinking that that was like a, a step in the right direction, which it certainly was, but um, definitely body checking and making sure certain parts of my body always like looked a certain way, if that can make sense. I, I realised I realized pretty early on that it was getting into a dangerous obsession. I, mean, I keep using that word because that's really what it was. Um, and I hope you can forgive me. I'm trying to take myself back there. It's often, I've, I've sat here for half an hour tonight, sort of like really trying to get back into that, uh, not frame of mind, but trying to sort of remember. Um, It feels like so long ago and it really does feel like it's a a really old part of my life, which is a nice feeling. It's quite far away. Um, So to access the feelings that I was having at that time and to access um, a lot of the thoughts and feelings that can take a little bit now, which is, it is a nice, that's that's proof to me that recovery is possible and long-term recovery is really, really possible. I was equating food to my moral value I was equating food like there was I was definitely had a list of safe foods and definitely had a list of um of unsafe foods or good foods and bad foods and if I was to eat off a good off the good list I was good and if I was to eat off the bad list then I was bad and over time that bad list grew and grew and grew and the good list got shorter and shorter and shorter and um and I just have I had no room I had no room to have any kind of as any sense of liberty around food any sense of uh agency around food any control around food it was all given into it was all given to what I deemed good and bad if that makes sense 
So this lasted quite a while. This probably lasted sort of three or four years. I was fresh out of, or not sort of fresh out of university, but I was actually a high school teacher at the time. And I had gone into my first um, real big contract as a teacher, a full-time, not a permanent position, but a full-time long sort of contract. So which for the eating disorder worked quite well because as a teacher, my day was structured and therefore my food was structured and therefore my exercise was structured. So everything was um, everything was not controlled for me, but I controlled everything, I guess you would say. I was able to control everything based on I ate on the school bill, I uh, exercised based at either end of the day. And because I was in that structure for two full-time years without any, I you know, I have two young children now, so without any dependence I had a lot of control and I thought and I believe my eating disorder had me believe that being in control and being in an extreme state of control um, meant that I was good. It was really, really tied to how I saw myself as a person and how I saw myself as my, and how I saw my body. So when I was in control of everything, my body was good. And I was, when I was out of control of a few little things, my body was bad. If that, if that makes sense. So it was really, really tied in with my body image, regardless of whether my body was changing or not. I guess slowly, very slowly over time, it just all, it got time consuming. It got very, very consuming. And when the balance of my life was off, when I was putting too much, or I didn't know it at the time, but now I see it as I was putting a lot of energy and a lot of time and a lot of brain power, a lot of money and a lot of, um, a lot of physical and mental energy into that part of my life, into this controlled section of my life. And the other parts of my life were receiving very little attention at all. So my career and my relationships and my sense of play and my sense of fun were all taking um, a big hit when it came to my attention and my where I was putting my energy and yeah, I guess I can't really, I still even now can't really sort of pinpack, pinpoint an exact moment. I certainly started to notice some um, physical things happening with my body that I thought, oh, okay, this is like, I've never sort of experienced this before. So the loss of hair and this sensation of, I was always quite cold, this lot, the, you know, sensation of pins and needles in my fingers all the time starting to feel like this wasn't quite right and even then in the grips of an eating disorder I was thinking well if I'm so healthy and if I'm eating all these correct foods and I'm exercising like this and if I have so much control over my lifestyle why am I experiencing this why am I being punished with these kinds of things and the lack and the lack of my um my menstrual cycle as well and so it wasn't until I went to first speak to a GP just about getting that side of things back on track that uh, I went to one GP at first, it was certainly not helpful. And then another that sort of sort of steered me in the right direction and maybe got me and I, and I started to do some talk therapy with, with some therapists and I started to go and seek some psychology that um, I started to realize that there was there was a balance there and that having healthful habits was one thing and taking care of myself was one thing but what I was doing was a completely different beast and I was really instead of actually thinking that I had a lot of control I was actually being controlled by this beast of um, that's how I sort of looked at it that's how we we with my therapist and I we really started to um, visualize it as a beast that was controlling me rather than the other way around which um which sent me on a bit of a, not on a tailspin, but it really sent me on this path of looking at it and going, okay, well, is this adding to my life or is it taking away? And it, and there, and it was definitely a dance. There was definitely many steps forward and many steps backwards where I realized that this is actually controlling me and not the other way around. And 
I had to had to do a lot of looking and I had to do a lot of work with her to understand what my ultimate goals were and that when I that girl that started that signed up to the gym that girl that started you know looking at what she was consuming as a way of looking after herself um, and getting a little bit more energy that her ultimate goal was to just feel well and that I had certainly bypassed that and I had gone into a whole, had gone into a whole different territory. And so it was coming back to that original goal of saying, okay, well, that, this is where I wanted to be. I just wanted to be able to, um, you know, put on some shoes and go for a run around the block. And all of a sudden that wasn't good enough. And now I was sort of forcing, not forcing myself, but, you know, I'm, I'm still a recreational runner. I still love to run, but, um, you know, I was running because, I was running for a whole bunch of different reasons and I just wanted to be able to learn to run around my block and see if I could learn to jog. And all of a sudden I was forcing myself to sign up for marathons and train for marathons and go faster and be harder and, and all those kinds of things. So I had sort of moved the goalpost and moved the goalpost and moved the goalpost on myself until I got so far down the road that I didn't realize that I'd, you know, I'd bypassed my original goal. And that's, and that's what I was sort of always trying to get back to, if that makes sense that, um, what and and even now like what i'm after is just a really lovely sense of wellness and uh working with doing a whole bunch of therapies and working with my psychologist i sort of realized that that's actually a lot more simple than it i, I was making it a lot harder than it had to be and it's actually very very simple to achieve a really lovely sense of wellness through um through lots of things through our nutrition and through the way that we move our body and through the way that we relate to others and through it through, you know through our social life and through our home life that's actually um yeah it's, quite, it's actually quite a simple thing to achieve and I had made it a lot harder for myself based on I guess I was I succumbed a lot to these outside forces of what was good and what was bad and lots of um lots of messaging from diet culture and lots of messaging from um, what I had picked up along the way about what this ideal body type was supposed to look like. And when we sat down and looked at it, we unpicked all of these rules of all of the rules that I was eating by and all of the rules that I was exercising by and all of the rules that I was trying to achieve a perfect body by, they all contradicted each other. And in the end, what I was trying to do was virtually impossible. So it took a lot of therapy and it took a lot of going back and going back. And, and um, we, I'm quite a visual person. And so the therapist that I was working with, we were using a lot of visual, um, a lot of visual metaphors and a lot of things for me to be able to look at something, look at things through a different perspective. Um, we looked into, um, we started to investigate intuitive eating. We started to understand, we started to investigate what, what eating should have felt like and what choosing food was all about what understanding my own cravings was all about tasting food was all about feeling hungry and feeling full we looked at um a really mindful approach to the sense of feeling everything coming back to how i was feeling how a run would feel and how eating a certain dish would feel um and so my approach became all about me instead of following somebody else's rules or following a certain um, a, a certain diet approaches rules, if that could make sense. So, you know, looking at 
you know, I sort of got obsessed with paleo and then I got obsessed with something else. And then I wondered whether I should be, you know, try veganism. And I, I was sort of going down all these different paths and all of those rules were contradicting each other. And I was going crazy trying to uphold all of these rules when at the end of the day, I was um, really just searching for something a lot simpler. So we unpicked a lot and we, we went back through um we looked and and in a funny way we laughed and and looked quite lightheartedly at the ideal body from the dawn of time until where I was and how it had changed and changed and changed over time and if I was on that hamster wheel for the rest of my life then in 10 years time I would be trying to change again and in another 10 years time I would be trying to change again because it is out there and it was it's always changing on us and we don't have any control over who sits there and decides what the ideal body is supposed to look like and who sits there and decides and say no this is the way we should all be eating now and this is the right way to eat and this, these are good foods and these are bad foods at the end of the day someone or a whole group of people are sort of sitting there making those rules for us and if I can um, look at that and look at that quite critically and pick that apart and then put that aside and say, well, what if I sort of made my own rules? That still felt really good and healthy for me. But if I, you know, not, not rules, that's probably not the right word. What if I sort of looked and created my own philosophy of health? Then I still felt in control because I still felt like I was taking care of myself. I still felt um, I love fitness. and I, I found this love for exercise and I was still able to engage in exercise and I was still able to engage in cooking and recipe developing and all, all of these things that I had really, really liked, but without the pressure of, um, I guess, a whole bunch of invisible people standing behind me saying, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, now you're bad, now you're good, okay, get back on track and, you know, start to send me into a tailspin over things like a red apple or a green apple. And, and when I sort of put all that aside and understood that I, I could create my own philosophy, we actually, oh, okay, we actually just sat down and started to think like, what does health and wellness and fitness and um, wholesomeness, what does that look like and feel like for me? And that's when, that was the start of it, but it, it really took a long time to keep coming back to my own philosophy and saying, no, 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 I've got to swim in my own lane here and still chase a sense of healthiness and still chase a sense of wellness, but chasing like chasing it for the right reasons, um, just so that I can wake up and feel energetic or um, be able to feel a sense of tiredness and say, no, no, today's a day where I'm going to stay in bed. So um, having the sense of mindfulness about my own body, how I was feeling, what I was, what I needed to lean into and what I needed to lean away from. If that, um, does that make sense? Yeah, it was all for me, for me, the spark of recovery for me was all about coming home to myself, figuring out what I actually wanted, and then writing that story starting there rather than going rather than saying okay I, I just want to feel well now and then going to the internet and then asking somebody else to help me feel well it was about me starting I guess writing my own story and my own um rule book's not the right word but my own my own blueprint for my own health yeah um so I guess if you fast forward today, so in somewhere in there, if I can sort of chuck in there, it got quite murky. Somewhere in there, I signed up and did my certificate three and certificate four in fit. 
fitness, I'm the first person to put my hand up and say, I probably signed up to my certificate three and certificate four, probably for the wrong reasons. I thought, okay, well, you know, if I become a personal trainer, then I'll get paid to even exercise and I'll have to exercise throughout the day and I'll exercise even more. And I did. And and the other thing that I know, I was like, I lost a whole bunch of weight and I'm going to show everyone else how they can lose a whole bunch of weight. Um, that's very, very much in that old chapter of me as a fitness trainer and now Pilates instructor. Um, and in lockdown, actually, so I'm on the Central Coast and so I've been in lockdown if you're in any any kind of area as well. Um, when in this sort of second wave of lockdown, um, I have actually gone into business with a partner and we've actually opened our own gym. So we're not operating yet because we're sort of coaching a little bit outside when we can sort of like very socially distance. But um yeah, so somewhere in there, I became personal trainer very much for the wrong reasons. And if you fast forward to now, I, you know, coach fitness, coach strength and conditioning and stroke and um, coach Pilates. Um, and I, I thought, you know, in that bridging time while I was doing my healing, I thought, do I want to be doing this? Do I sort of want to be in the fitness space? And it's very, very exciting for me to now be in the fitness space as a voice for um, when clients come to us to, um, join a gym or when clients come to us and you know they ask us to you know for a strength program or a Pilates program it's really empowering to be able to say to them like this is if you come to me as a coach this is what you're going to get I'm not going to um I'm not going to give you any rules I'm I'm going to sort of teach you to understand your body um, and to understand. And if you don't have a philosophy for your own wellness, I'm going to help you create or, or give you just the empowerment to create your own philosophy because that's really all up to you. And then I'll just support you on that journey rather than, um, you know, uh, be a voice for weight loss at all costs or be a voice for, you know, um, there's still a lot of that diatribe that we see that, you know, like, you know, summer bodies being created in the winter and all that kind of rhetoric that is very common especially in the gym space in the fitness space um in the bricks and mortar gym you know model um it's really nice to be a voice that stands against that and it's really nice to be a voice that really um advocates for a health for health at every size approach um so it's very exciting to keep my, my feet on the ground in the fitness space rather than sort of run away from it um yeah and then that's what I'm working with we do uh, we haven't for a little while because of the you know because of the pandemic and not being able to sort of access schools or have schools access us but um uh, like I said before I was a high school teacher previously and being able to take my teaching degree and we write programs now for we've just started to write programs now for um we've we've targeted mainly the girl um the the, the young girls in school or the, the you know the students in school that identify as female and um, just get them to understand, I guess the first thing we're trying to do is just get them to break apart their understanding of what health is and get them to break apart what their understanding of what a healthy body looks like. And then we sort of start the conversation about, um, you know, exercise for fun and, and movement for joy and all that kind of stuff. But if we can get them our role to go into schools in sports programs or Pilates programs is we take sort of 10 or 15 minutes at the end of our sessions to break apart what the ideal body is and break apart diet culture and then get them to understand that it's a force bigger than them. And if they buy into it, then they, they very often buy into it and it's very, very hard to get out. So we're just sort of trying to um, create or empower the next generation to be critical thinkers when it comes to what they're seeing, especially on the internet, what they're seeing, um, the information that they're getting. We get them to sort of question their sources and um, we get them to be quite mindful about um, what their body feels like and get them to be able to sort of understand what it really, really needs and 
feeling proud and confident to lean into that and give themselves that. So if it's rest, they need to give themselves rest. If it's more food, they need to give themselves more food. And so that's where we're sort of currently sitting in that space. And it's, um, it's a really, really lovely place to be. And I won't lie, it helps me stay in my recovery too, because if anyone who is participating this evening knows anybody who's struggling with an eating disorder in that dance with an eating disorder or a body image disorder or if you're there yourself or if you're on the brink of recovery wherever you're at um I think it's safe to say that it's a conversation that can always come up in your head it's, it's like sort of like it, it's almost like having two sort of gear sticks and just always making a conscious decision to come back to no 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 this is I know it feels, I know in certain times, and I, I certainly know in, you know, in two years across, you know, pandemics and lockdowns, I know it feels uh, tempting. It almost feels tempting to sort of take that control back and, and understand, lean into, you know, habits or techniques that you've usually used in the past, but it feels a lot better and it, it does on the other, after the little bit of hard work that you have to do and after that little hard conversation, you have to have your have with yourself to put your hands on the steering wheel again and say no 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 this is this is where I'm sort of steering myself down um where I was going with that is yeah just getting them getting these young young people um or anyone really who's you know involved with anyone or is experiencing an eating disorder themselves just understanding that you've constantly you you may very well have those that duality going on with you for a long time and it may be there forever and um recovery doesn't necessarily mean that that voice goes away recovery just means always um forgive me if it sounds a bit like woo woo or anything but recovery just kind of constantly means turning towards the light or um or I'll often say sort of like flicking that switch and if it flicks off it just means like constantly just walking back into the room and saying I know one way might feel easier. I know one way, one way might feel more tempting or it might feel like I'm going to have more control this way. But I do know the sense of warmth for me, it's a sense of warmth and that, that sense of connection with myself that recovery offers me. And so it's that sense of it's just that constant turning towards that recovery light. So, um, yeah, when I say fully recovered, that voice is definitely still there for me, but it's just, it's just whether I choose to uh, entertain it or whether I choose to um, say, I know how you're feeling right now, darling, but I promise you it's better on the other side. That's the conversation I sort of have with myself very, very often, um, you know, nearly every day. Um, just say, I, I know, I know how you're feeling here, but I promise you over here, the grass is a lot greener. So yeah, that's, um, that's me in a nutshell. Thank you very much for listening. So there was Megan's personal recovery journey from her eating disorder and we hope that you can gauge from this that recovery is definitely possible. We know that eating disorders are very hard to go through, especially for loved ones who don't understand how they may be able to help an individual suffering. So in honor of this, we have put together an ebook that we are giving away for complimentary offer. For the month of September, in honor of Eating Disorder Awareness Week, for any purchase that is made in the month of September. So if you know a loved one struggling or you are a loved one helping an individual recover from an eating disorder, we do recommend purchasing a SupportWise program specific to your circumstance, but also in the hope that you can get this ebook to understand how you can manage an eating disorder from home. So we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did enjoy it, please leave a review and we hope to see you in two weeks time.